0: Uh, welcome to another edition of uh, Swing Thoughts. We're recording on the uh, 21st of September. Uh, live from uh, the Humble and Fred studios. Uh, live from his basement is Tim O'Connor. This am uh, in program- kitchen, actually. Your kitchen?
1: Yes. Are you serious? Yeah, today I'm in my kitchen. I just thought, you know what? I deserve to be at the island where I feel happy and safe
0: you know I have an island in my kitchen and it's funny even though not 15 feet from it is a, a perfectly fine dining apparatus I believe they're called tables where <laughs> where myself and uh, lovely Rachel only occasionally eat because I like eating around the island I know I find it uh, more uh, convivial is that a word
1: oh it's a lovely word
0: you're a lovely
2: word
1: that's a, that's a great word. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, what's that sign? That uh, song, you'll always find them in the kitchen at parties? And, right. You know, it just feels like a nice relaxing place to be, and so I feel relaxed. You look relaxed.
0: Uh, this program is brought to you by TaylorMade. All the uh, nice people from uh, TaylorMade were out at Glen Abbey a couple days ago, and I happened to be there, you know, practicing, as somebody does. And, Especially uh, you. <laughs> and uh, I uh, ran into, they were having their annual sales conference. There was Cam and Nick and everybody from, uh, some people up from Carlsbad. And cool. uh, these guys, now I said hi to everybody uh, away from, you know, they so they have this muster area, the gathering area, and there were some people there from, you know, California and other parts of uh, the tailor-made world, and they didn't know. That I'm a tailor made guy like yourself. So as I walked by them, I just turned and stopped and went. <laughs> this is true. I said, every... I looked at they had no idea who I was. I just, but I had my tailor made bag, everything. I looked at and I said, "Every goddamn club in my bag, tailor made." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> These guys just thought I was some nut. Anyway, uh, and they ta- were right. They are. <laughs> they were. Uh, they were great. Anyway, and they've been so supportive of us, you and I. Uh, along with our uh, friends Adidas, Ad-da-de-da. Adidas, the home of the boost shoe, and so much more. Uh, you know, I have an ex. I have two pairs of shoes, but they're so comfortable. Um, I find it hard to believe they're golf shoes because you know when you and I were young, golf shoes were something that were was torturous.
1: Yeah, they weighed about twenty pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and they would get wet. And they would get, you know, it it was like taking off your golf shoes was kind of like the same degree of relief uh, I felt when I would take a ski boot off. It's like, oh, (laughs) finally. That's true.
0: I worked at a golf course when I was a kid. And one of the things we had to do was, you know, get the members shoes and put them in the area where they got clean. And those shoes were heavy. Yeah. Now it's hard to believe. Like I have the do you have a pair of like the running shoes, the style shoes from Adidas? Pure. Is that what it
1: is? Yeah, I didn't, no, I didn't choose those.
0: I, I have a pair, I'm those. not sure if they're the Addy Pures, but they're the running shoe style, and uh, they're so comfortable. So thanks to TaylorMade, thanks to Adidas. Tim O'Connor, of course, uh, a prolific and um, profound pundit. We got at,
1: the peas going today.
0: At uh, the alliteration, at uh, Tim O'Connor, his uh, e-zine and all that, O'ConnorGolf.ca, and Tim, of course, the uh, head coach of the Guelph Griffins. Uh, who just had a lovely beginning of the – is it OASU? Uh,
1: No, I think that might be some obscure conference in the southwestern of the United States. No, we're in the OUA. OUA. Ontario Ontario University Association. Yeah, thanks. We've had a great start. Um, Yeah, we started our our tournament season last week. We finished third at uh, Western Invitational, and then we went to a little road trip to eastern Ontario – and in Ottawa, we finished uh, second. And then uh, to the Kingston uh, played Way. What a great Stanley Thompson golf course. Uh, and finished second by a shot. And two of our guys, Josiah Dixon and uh, Matthew Vihant, both shot 68s. Wow. So these kids can play. And I shouldn't say kids because they're young adults, but I'm old. They're young. So there you go.
0: Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much you and I. <laughs> In every conversation with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I was happy, you know, I know that's important to you and those kids get, you know, get the benefit of your wisdom and guidance and uh, they're very lucky young humans. Oh my, thank you. Um, I'm not really sure how to segue into this. I guess we should just start this. Uh, we're taping this on Friday last weekend. I finished the second round of the uh, Senior Club Championship at my golf course, and we had talked, I think, on the podcast uh, several times about how, you know, I've had the lead in this tournament. It ended up being, I think, around 93 days. That's what I was saying. And in right, th- so,
1: you know what? I'm going to jump in. Yeah, you go, I, oh, go ahead. I'm going to jump in. Jump so, in. So, yeah, so about 93 uh, days previous, Mm-hmm. In the two-round senior club championship at lovely Glencairn Golf Club, you teed it up, and after the first round, you had a one- or two-shot lead.
0: I had a two-shot lead after the first round. Uh, right. A two-shot lead over one person, a five-shot lead over two other people, and uh, the rest of the field was beyond that. I think nine was the other closest one to me.
1: Right. So then the, um, the heavens opened up, and the second round, uh, they determined it needed to be delayed, And, in fact, was put forward um, about three months, basically. And so you had to sit on this lead for three months. And so last weekend, the second round starts again. And you can pick up the story there.
0: Well, I want to say, too, that when I got to the golf course for the second round, cause it rained pretty steadily through the first round and I played very nicely. And, and you know, there were a lot of good players, you know, guys that you work with Mike Bondy and some other people that it was a tough day. And I, and shooting 74 that day was like shooting under par because it really was not a very nice day. The next day it was horrid. And uh, when they told me that the day was canceled, I just thought, <laughs> I just thought I won. I said, okay, great. We're canceling the second round. That's cool. Where's the trophy?
1: You know they do it PJ tour. <laughs> well that's
0: what they do and I mean I've been I've been around the game my whole life. I'd never heard and now I've since learned that it's not uncommon, but it's not very common. And I I put up a bit of a fuss. I, I will say this. I I wasn't just disappointed. I just thought it was not right. Anyway, I also You're Did you say you were angry? Uh I, I would say it would be fair to it would be fair to say that I wasn't happy with the decision it just didn't make any sense to me but i will also say that i think part of my feeling of it being unfair uh was that i didn't want to sleep on the lead for 93 days i was, I, I didn't i was playing good you know you know when you're playing well you just want to keep on playing anyway it's a long time to sleep on a lead um <laughs> and you know and i and between that round and the end of the tournament i had a lot of tournament golf i mid-am qualifiers and senior am disappointments and mid-am canadian mid-am a million putts and carl morris and you and we talked about it and it was in you know i would say that it was a pretty mediocre summer in terms of tournament golf i learned a lot but i didn't really have you know great results and so forth so you know and you never know from one day to the next imagine three months you never know how your game's going to show up
1: because it's so cyclical it's exactly up and down. yeah
0: so I've been in good form as they say overseas. I've been in good form in terms of ball striking for a while, and I've just started to after I'll tell you who helped me is the, the show we did with Carl Morris um, really helped me and, That's and a I great,
1: it was a great show.
0: And I read his book, and I was very lucky I'm not sure if I sent you a note, but I was lucky enough that Carl uh, had a call with me privately. Nice. Just about 20 minutes. And I know about, by the way, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but Tim is a guest on Carl Morris's podcast talking about Tim's book, The Feeling of Greatness. And it's worth a listen. Um, but Carl and I just basically talked about what we said on the podcast about not talking about, not writing your story you know, in your putting world or whatever world, but don't write it as it goes. And that really helped me. And I started to work a little bit lighter in terms of my greens and stuff. And I don't know. I got to Sunday of last week and I felt pretty good about things. Now, I'm going to put here's what we're going to do, by the way, folks. Uh, One of our swing thoughts, uh, golf guys, Tom Leonowitz, who's also a friend of mine, had caddied for me in the mid-am and he caddied for me in the first round of the club championship. So what I'm gonna do is we're gonna switch Tim from Skype to the phone so he can hear Tom. Hang on, here we go. So Tommy, are you there? Hello, good morning. Hello, Tom. Uh, Tim, can you hear Tom?
2: I can. Good morning, Timmy. How are you, man?
0: He asked you how you were, Tim. Uh, oh. Tom.
2: Uh, yeah, okay, I can barely hear him, but I'm fabulous. How are you, Tim? it's wonderful to be connected i'm really looking forward to this conversation
0: so timmy can you hear tom yep okay if if there's something you don't hear tom let me know anyway uh so tom had caddied for me and we played pretty nicely in that first round of the uh senior club c when it was raining and uh was on what we we were what we call on full roast i was just (laughs) i was hitting it pretty good and you knew on the Sunday when they canceled it, I was pissed off because I just didn't want to have to wait and see how my game showed up in September, right?
2: Yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, pissed off might be putting it mildly. All right,
0: <laughs> I felt—I just say—I felt an injustice had been done, so I felt it was warranted.
2: Yeah, that's why you let Stan run throughout the clubhouse and pee on the floor.
0: Uh, anyway, uh, so <laughs> last Sunday we—it uh, was a beautiful day. And uh, I was in the last group, uh, Timmy, with uh, the guy that was two shots behind me. I'm going to fast forward through this part so Tom can talk about what state we were in. Because I didn't start off very well. After five holes, he was one under and I was four over. And instead of being two ahead, I was now three behind. And um, we'll go back to the second hole in a second, Tom. But in the middle of the sixth fairway... The thing is, I was hitting it pretty good. I just was making kind of nervous bogeys. I wasn't getting it up and down, and I was four over after five. And we're in the middle of the sixth fairway, and I started to say to Tom, I started to write this story, and I said something like, "Well, well, no matter what happens today, I'll be fine, and it's a beautiful day, and you never, you know, blah blah blah." Is that kind of what I started saying, Tom?
2: Yeah, and the thing that stuck out to me was. Um, you said a sentence like, if I go to the clubhouse and the guys still congratulate me, it's like you were worried about what they were thinking or what what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. You are already kind of... I was already in the future. Yeah. Yeah, you are already yeah, writing out that story.
0: I was writing the story. And Tim, I, I would like to give us... It's, it's ironic because it's me talking about our show, but Tom's been a big fan of the Swing Thoughts, and Tom and I talk a lot... Away from this show about tournament golf, and Tom basically fed back to me something that you and I talk about on the show all the time, which is
2: try Just take one one shot at a time,
0: one shot at it's a time. But it's more important, but more importantly, not write the story because I was only in the middle of the sixth fairway. Are you following so so far, Mister O'Connor?
1: Absolutely. Well, you're what you're talking about is what the majority of golfers do. I talk to my. My team about this all the time is, you know, guys say, oh, I can't make a putt and this and that. It says, you're just writing a story. Just just let go of that, you know. you you it's not that you can't make a putt. You just haven't made one yet.
0: That's a great point. So Tom says to me in the middle of the sixth fairway, oh, why don't you just hit this next shot? Why don't we just hit this shot now? And I went, oh. Yeah, okay, because for the first five holes, I'd been kind of in, not chaos mode, like I wasn't freaking out and I wasn't getting mad. I was pretty calm for someone that had lost a two-shot lead and was now three behind. But when Tom said, why don't we hit this next shot, something something clicked in my head and I went, you know, that's probably the best thing I could do. And I, I actually didn't hit a very good shot. I hit it hole high in some, a pretty crappy lie. And as we've said this on the show before, you know, I, I learned this from Charles Fitzsimmons. He says, sometimes in golf, all you need is one seemingly innocuous thing, but one good thing to happen. So I I hit it in a bad lie and I chunked it out of there to about six feet and I made the putt. Nice. And I made par and and I'm still four over, but something lifted me and I played the next nine holes three under par. In fact I made I, I made I played the next five holes three under par. I went uh, birdie, par, birdie, par, birdie. And the gentleman I played against started to leak some oil. And, and a couple holes later, he made a triple and a double. And instead of being three behind, I was now four ahead. <clears throat> and then we were just in full... I, I will tell you this, Tim. You know, we talk a lot about getting in the zone or what it, what it feels like to be free. But I, I'd want Tom to describe, for the next nine holes, I was... Uh, While you describe it.
2: Well, it it was like night and day. Um, Like the first five goals were, let's just say, an adventure. Uh, And and the only time I actually started getting worried was on the fourth. Uh, Basically, it seemed like you didn't want to hit anything hard or anything like that. But then all of a sudden on the sixth, after that, you wanted to just get up there and hit every shot at one point. But it it was night and day. It was actually really impressive to watch because when he hit it on... And it got that kind of mashed up lie That was one of those lies where you could blade it over the green You could chunk it five feet in front of you You had to actually hit a really good shot So he could have easily just said Ah, whatever, I got another bad lie, okay And he could have easily gone backwards again And, and said, oh, woe was me um, And even on the next hole He flagged it and lift out a, a birdie putt And again, he could have said, oh, woe was me Or whatever, but he just kept grinding it out Grinding it out, and all of a sudden He started puring everything <laughs> Yeah, it was and- weird he <laughs> had two, two eagle putts on 8 and 10 after just roasting four irons into, like, 25 feet. Uh, so it, it was really impressive to watch because, like you said, a, a switch just went off on his head and he said, okay, I'm just going to go out and win this now.
1: Well, no. So, Tom, the, that, I, I wanna Tom, I want to jump in. So, Tom, what did you notice in the rest of the round uh, when, you know, after six it seemed like there's a nice change there, and uh, it's amazing how getting up and down, making a par can be, you know, so – uh, Life changing, if you will. But what did you notice in terms of the things that Howard said, what you saw in his body language, and say in his routine? Because a lot of times when people are under pressure, you know, tournaments, they start to take more time, there's more fidgeting, and there's, you know, more reading of putts and stuff. So what did you notice in
2: Howard? He, he, was, he started walking a little bit quicker when things were going well. Like he was walking kind of. I not want to say slumped over, but a little bit slower um, in the first few holes there. Uh, you know. In the decision-making process, I saw that, uh, so for example, on four, when I started to see things go a little weird was he had about 140 up the hill, but he said, you know, I want to hit like a three-quarter eight. And I asked him if he wanted to just rip a nine. And right. all of a sudden, when he was hitting it well again and, and, and he was on point, he was just ripping full shots instead of trying to hit those little half- kind of little cutters in there or something like that he was going after it so all of a sudden it was more intention and more conviction in the swing rather than just trying to ease it up there
1: so rather than perhaps safety and even on an unconscious level rather than well oh, let's be careful here let's make the right shot let's not hit it into the crap um he he then went on mode where like here's the shot i'm just gonna hit the damn thing yeah
2: yeah exactly it was more so of. You know, I know how to hit this shot. I'm, I'm not really concerned about where it's going to go. I'm just going to rip it.
0: Well, that's it. You know, it's the it's difference. It's the difference. We know we talk about playing to play great versus playing to
2: avoid pain. Yeah, yeah, and that's basically what it was. And and so the first few holes were to avoid the pain, and the next, you know, 15 holes were basically, yeah, let's just go get this.
0: Yeah, I can tell you how I felt in terms of, like, all along, I I never really thought things had gotten away from me, but I was starting to think that, I, I think in the middle of the sixth hole, I started to sort of think maybe this isn't my day and to start to begin to build a story about what that explanation might be. But because of Tom's saying, let's just hit this shot, it kind of instantly brought me back to this moment in time and I gotta tell you, I have, I've played a lot of golf as people know, but there was a nine hole stretch there. Because after the, th- the reason I say it was a nine hole stretch, we played the rest of the round pretty nicely. You know, I, I was four over after five, and after 13, I was one over. But then I started to get, I mean, by that point, I had a seven or eight shot lead, and I will say this, I started to get excited about finishing. But in the middle of that round, Tim, and Tom will tell you, like it wasn't that I started walking faster, it was that I just became more um, sure of what I wanted to do. And when I got up to the ball without much fuss around it, we'd say, Okay, this is the shot. And I'd say, Okay, fine, I'm going to hit this now. And I got to tell you, you know, I've been in tournaments where for a few holes you're kind of hitting it well and then you go out of it. But I, I could have easily been five under or six under in that stretch because everything I hit. It just wasn't like all of a sudden I got lucky. It's all of a sudden I got so focused it just seemed easy to me. And I I will tell you this, Tim, because you've seen me hit a ball. Like, I I normally carry my driver in the air, maybe 255 if I really hit it, 260. (laughs) There were were a couple of drives. I, I said to Tom, I play this course all the time. I said, Tom, I'm not normally here. Like, there were three different drives, Tim, where I was in places I'd never been before. Like so much for I'll give you an example. There's a short par four where I normally hit three iron and maybe a gap wedge or a pitching wedge. You know, hit my three iron around two twenty, and I usually have about one fifteen or one twenty (laughs) in. I get up to my ball. I had seventy three yards to the flag. (laughs) Like it was insane, right? And I said to Tom, I go, I've never been here before.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So I'm so I'm going to jump in because what when you give yourself basically permission. And you play with a sense of freedom, and this is what I want ahead of me, right here, right now. It's amazing what you can do, because basically you just kind of unlocked your body and your mind and just allowed it to go. So this ability to hit the ball like that, that's a matter of, you've always had that, but you're also in competition. This means a lot to you in your subconscious, all this stuff's going on. So you got adrenaline going like crazy. And so, you're just, you know, what a great place to be to just let all this happen, and, and you've got it. All, all golfers have this within them, but we tend, to, as you say, I mean, just to draw on some of that stuff before we get caught in our story. We're being careful. Oh no, what if this happens? This happens, and so we're living in the past. Oh, this is happening again, or we're in the future. Oh, what's the story going to tell in the clubhouse? But when you're just like let it go in the moment. Um. Wow, it's just amazing what stuff can happen.
0: Well, you know, Tom, it was funny, and Tim's right. You know, I I had adrenaline going, but at at first, what I did is I just released myself from worrying about it. And you know, all golfers that are listening that have been in some pressure situation, whether it's your club sees or you know you're playing with your buddies and you start to play well, it being in the zone is just what Tim said. It it just feels like okay I'm in this situation it means a lot but for now I'll just let it go because I I started off I wasn't hitting it horribly although I will tell you about a great break I got but I when I started to let it go my miles per hour on my club okay. on my speed was ridiculous like there was one another hole the sixth hole on scotch block again I normally it's uphill it's it plays about 410 yards and I normally have like I don't know, one thirty, one twenty, one forty in. What do we have, Tom? I had like ninety yards to the green.
2: Yeah, we had ninety yards uphill into the green.
0: <laughs> it was it was bizarre. But I and I I here's the other thing. I didn't want it to end. Even though I wanted to win and I knew I was, I just was loving it because, you know, I had the mid-M and it didn't work out. I had the senior M, it didn't work out. And all of a sudden here I was in full flight. You know, with all the skills that I have. And I got to tell you, it was it was wild.
2: So yeah, to talk about adrenaline, uh, <laughs> what about the shot on seventeen and eighteen?
0: Well, the one on eighteen. We're so the, the tr- here is another thing Tom did. So I get to seventeen, and I par it, and uh, I said something to Tom like, you know, I'm just gonna. I think I'm gonna hit three iron on the last hole. I had a seven shot lead. I'm gonna hit three cool. iron, five iron. You know, well, I'm just gonna. I said I'm gonna bogey in if I have to, and he said, "What are you talking about?" He said, just hit driver. And there's a bunker about 245. It's, and we're into the wind, a little bit uphill. And, you know, I, if I don't hit it well, I'm going to be in that bunker. And if I flare it, I'm going to be in some shit. And he goes, you've been hitting your driver great. Just hit driver. So I hit it, and I don't really, like, I don't know that I caught it full. And we couldn't see where it finished. And I said, oh, I think I caught the bunker. And uh, <laughs> so we get up there, and I'm 45 yards past the bunker. And even the guy that I was beating said, did you hit your (laughs) 3-iron? He started started mocking me. Uh, Again, why did you hit your 3-iron?
2: Oh, that's so funny.
0: No, it was, and again, it was a place I'd never been before.
2: Yeah, and just to add some hilarity to it, he had 250 in, so I figured, here's 3-wood. Why don't you just go for it? Uh, But no, he wasn't having that. I guess he didn't want the 3-wood off the deck. Uh, Anyway, I...
0: It, it really was, and we're going to let Tom go here because I want to uh, just to talk a couple of things with Tim, but I will say this. Tom, uh, and I meant it. I couldn't have done it without you because, you know, you kind of have to be your own caddy, your own, you have to be good to yourself, but the conversations that I had with Tom when he's caddying for me are the conversations anyone can have with themselves. Mm-hmm. And And I don't think... I'm not sure, but because you said to me, why don't you just hit this next shot, it completely switched my, uh, my attention and focus. But I don't know that I would have come to that conclusion if you hadn't been there with me.
2: But The, the interesting part was I saw you every once in a while say it to yourself as you were lining up again. And you are saying, just this shot, just this shot. So I remember a couple times on part threes, I remember a couple other shots, you said, just this shot, so you're 100% right. You can always have that conversation with yourself as well.
0: Tim, any final questions for Tom before we let him go?
1: Um, did he give you good tips? <laughs> any good tips? Any
0: good tips? Yeah, yeah one shot at a time. I mean, oh,
1: okay. Was so yeah, there any monetary compensation for? Oh, did I give him
0: any? Oh, did I pay him? Yeah. Yeah, I gave him. I gave him, uh, <laughs> I gave him some. <laughs> Some Sir Corp gift certificates. I promise I'd take them to Jack Astor's for uh, for dinner.
2: Yeah, but they're dinner? just expired
0: cool. <laughs> Um, all right, Sorry.
2: Tommy. All right, gentlemen. Thanks, pal.
0: Alright, have fun. Okay, I'm gonna put Tim back on Skype now. There's Tim. Are you back on Skype now?
1: I'm getting there. Um you know, I'm back, I-, I think. Yeah, the uh, sorry, I had to go there. That's I was going back to my old Caddy days. It was like, yeah, the guy did well, but how much did he pay me? <laughs>
0: um, you know, it's it's and I, I meant what I said. Like I, you know, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't had somebody there as a sounding board. Not that I was, you know, I wasn't. I really wasn't in a bad place, but I was already starting to kind of be resigned that this has happened, and how will I handle yeah.
1: it? Yeah. Absolutely. That's and that's just totally natural. And that's what people that's what we do. We 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 create narratives in our head to try to make sense of what's happening to us in the world. Right. And and none of it is real. I mean, like um, this is this is the part. This is stuff that just fascinates me uh, about what I do uh, in working with uh, golfers and life coaching, executive coaching is that. We create stories to make sense of our lives. It even goes back to when we were kids, is that stuff happens, mommy and daddy get divorced or something happens and um, so we create a story to make sense of it because that's what we have to do, that's what our ego does but most of it isn't real, it's just a story And but we live out these stories and then we start creating them and living in them and they become limiting belief systems. And when we can just kind of get ourselves back in in the moment in now, then we can be in a place in freedom. Even though we have the stories still cooking, the belief story, the voices that say "oh, you suck," whatever. If we just kind of like, they'll never go away, but we can live in kind of in freedom with them. And to connect back to your to having Tom on your on as cadding for you. I mean it's huge to have people in your life as a caddy, as a friend, as a, it's a therapist or just a trusted friend. When you can say what's going on for you and you can get some perspective, that just just helps immensely. You know, So many of the people I talk to in coaching situations or uh, other work that I do, just by talking about what goes on, they say, wow, I feel so much better. <laughs> and thank you for giving me some perspective.
0: Well, and and that's what I, you know, it's tough sometimes to do that for yourself because you're also the, you know, in 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 um Carl Morris's book he talks about the prover and the thinker, the thinker and the prover, and you know the thinker thinks and the prover proves, and if you think you're a bad putter, then you'll go out and prove that to yourself,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: Um, you know, if you think that you can't handle pressure, you'll prove that to yourself time and time again, and. And having him there was like having a good voice, and yes. um, as much experience as I have in tournament play, you know that moment. And I don't want to keep. I can't. I can't uh, emphasize the significance of it because it just brought me back to the present tense. And even though it wasn't like the story would have been better if I had just then ripped it to three feet and made birdie, I didn't. No. I. I. But I did. Change the intention of the day, and just that little thing took me from a place of "well, you never know; you can always try again."
1: Yeah, exactly. To
0: like, and I'll be—I'm going to be—I'm going to be—I'm uh, going to use a swear word. Basically, from then on, I was like, "Fuck it!" Exactly. I'm going to—I'm going to play this next shot the best I can. So after six holes, I'm four over. Seven, eight, nine. Ten, eleven, twelve. I played those six holes three under par, and I lipped out on birdie. I lipped out on eagle. I hit two four. Here's the cool thing: I hit two four irons on two par fives and three holes that never left the flag. They weren't like I I drew it and it came on, get off a bunker. It was like, uh, it was like, I, and I looked up and I. And when you know, sometimes you hit a ball and you look up and you're. At first, yourself, your conscious is like, where is it? And I just kept looking, and it was literally at the flag from 205 yards. It was weird. But it was exactly. just my intention had changed.
1: Okay. Absolutely. And, and what, what I think is so – what I love about what we can do with our show is, you know, we can go through, like, the example of a complete over-the-top golf nerd such as yourself, and I am one too. Um, and from your example – uh, uh, how people can take learning to their own games, and what's so interesting is that same guy. You're yeah. the same guy who took freaking 44 putts in his first round of the Canadian 42, mid-amp.
0: 42. But oh, what sorry. A,
1: who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You get over 35. Oh yeah, you get 40. over 35. Assistant, it's, it's like pie. Exactly. There you go. So same guy. Yeah. Same guy who I've been watching. Like you know, yeah, you you're a really good player. you got this great golf swing. I don't know. And part of what made me so proud of you for winning uh, your club C is that I don't know anybody who works harder and you invest yourself in this game in such a high way. um, And so there's payoff and cost in that because you invest invest yourself so passionately, you can get caught up in it and it can take you into some dark places and, 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 and that. And so good, Good for you that you you seek some perspective from guys like Fitzsimmons, me, Carl, and then you had like your you had your camel, <laughs> club cleaner and therapist on the golf bag with Tommy.
0: Well, I got to tell you, and I I was very touched by what you wrote on our Facebook page and on my page about. And it was very it was I will say this, you know, good friends like yourself uh, and the community of golfers seem genuinely happy for me. It's been a long time since I've won a club championship. But 21 a lot of, years. Yeah, 21 <laughs> years. It's a long time. It is a long time. Because, you know, as I was trying to explain to my girl, I said, you know, most golfers play most of their golfing life and never win anything. I said, winning is a very tough thing to do. Um, because so many things have to go right. But back to, I just want to comment on what you're saying about, yeah, of course, because I invest so much into the game, that I, and I love it. You know, I don't really I don't I work hard at it because I love it. It's not like I'm some oh, exactly. ro- I am it's I have a yeah, sure, I'm a little O C D, but I I was with a guy yesterday that you've worked with named Bernie Starchuk. And uh you know Bernie?
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, I coached yeah. him for two years. Right, so
0: <laughs> I just wasn't sure if you heard me. So Bernie and I played yesterday together and uh you know, at one point we're at dinner and I was, telling him about something and i said you know bernie i just love golf and he says me too (laughs) it's like i just love it and um we all know how tough the game can be on our egos and our psyches and it you know i've said this before on the show golf doesn't owe me anything but sometimes it feels like it and to just get a little bit of um uh, just to see a bit of return Especially, again, after the sort of chaotic summer of tournament golf. It's been five months since the uh, better ball that Charles and I played in. So I play a lot of golf. And Bernie and I were sort of talking about how I like to invest into the game because I really enjoy the process. But, but yeah, it's nice to get a little bit of,
1: you know, oh, something back. Absolutely. And so you wouldn't be the player that you are uh, if you didn't have that love of the game. Because it's not – when people say he works on his game – um, anything to, that you do that you love to do like yes there is there's the mundane parts of, of things of whatever you do even golf and you put in your time and sometimes you could wish you're somewhere where else but it's that love that you have for it and that's why you know you watch um, on the PJ Tour Keegan Bradley when he won uh, what was it the BMW yeah, you know six um, years yeah you know he's fighting back the tears and oh, you know, yeah. I know it was it was really emotional for you. It is that level of, of love immersed in the game. You know, it connects back to stuff with family and fathers and mothers and friends and all that stuff that's around the game. And so, yeah, it's it can be really emotional. So the tough part really is in being able to channel that stuff. And so when you're under pressure and you want it so badly and then – the the thoughts come up you know am I enough am I doing the right thing and and every once in a while we'll be able to get out of our own way and allow it to happen and it was a love you know I loved hearing this today and we talked about this lovely confluence of things of of um, experiences you've had through the summer uh, good and certainly not so great and then it just kind of yeah, it just had this time in which it came together, and uh, so full marks to you, brother. Um, just so lovely to see.
0: Well, it's funny you say about it being emotional. Um, I, I can't remember where. I guess it was just after I putted out on seventeen. The other guy I was playing with, very nice man, um, was does he have a name? Don. His name is Don. <laughs> you know, Don Cummings is his name, and and it was funny because. He had a completely different start to the round than I did. It wasn't that he was hitting it so good. It's that he was sort of hitting it in play, made a couple pars, then he chipped in for birdie, then he made another birdie. And so not only was I not in full flight, but he was. So that's another mm. thing is we, we golfers go And remember, I've had the lead for 93 days, and an hour later, I'm three back. So there was a lot of stuff going on. And then you start to think, what's that? What are guys going to say? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Anyway, I put out on 17 and I'm wearing my sunglasses. I usually wear my sunglasses just in between shots. So I put my sunglasses back on my eyes and I turn away because I'm starting to tear up a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Because I got to tell you, you know, I start thinking about how many, you know, balls I hit and how many... You know hours I've spent doing it, and it was like crazy, even now you know it's like uh, I can't believe how much I did and then I was like, you know I'm gonna actually do do this and that's why I said to Tom, maybe I'll just hit five iron five iron wedge <laughs> <laughs> because when I recovered my emotions, I thought I said to Tom, as long as I don't die, I'm gonna win this but i uh... I'm, I'm glad I got it out then because when I finished it. Um. All my buddies came over and, and it was great Of course And then in my little speech, I actually started off by apologizing For how I acted 93 days before I said, you know, as uh, I said, you know, I, I apologize to Bondi I apologize to the pros I said, I'm very competitive and I, and I really wanted to win this And I'm glad I did I thought that was the right thing to do
1: um, yeah, and you're, you know, I'm just jumping in. Sorry, um, it's like you're an emotional guy, and this is, um, as I say, it's it's what helps you in your in your career. It's what makes you a good stand-up, uh, you know, broadcaster. And oh yeah, and I'm hilarious you, right now. <laughs> it's just things that you do. It's well, it's but it's that being able to. Um, that your emotions are near the surface, you you don't suppress or repress shit, man. I mean, it's like it's there. So f- when you're someone like that, it can it can really uh, it can really help you and inspire you and create interesting things when that flows and you hit amazing tee shots and you can be like rip roaring funny when it flows. But when you start getting the but when you start to get more of the stories and like you're a very smart person, I have most of the people I. I coach are very smart people but what happens is 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 that they just get so much going on in their heads it's the same things they start to go into like analysis uh, judgment because it served them in their life to use their heads um but that mixture of 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 high emotion and a lot of thinking well that can be pretty toxic in a lot of uh oh, for environments sure. when you're trying to you know in front of people or win a win a club championship
0: well you no, know, for sure and uh i mean but you know in that moment you know i was i because you brought up keegan bradley it made it reminded me that i was you know getting a little choked up um because of because of the vagaries of golf and i and as i've tried to explain to my uh My lovely uh, friend, Rachel, I said, you know, it's one of those sports where it's a very personal thing. And I'm not, even if you're not emotional, golf will make you that way. You know, it's I said, it's a very personal. And the other thing I, you know, because it's so personal and golfers are very similar, you know, Mm -hmm. besides yourself, which was uh, such a lovely gesture. But I got to tell you, I've been around Toronto and I've been around golf a long time. Pardon me. I could not believe for three days, the number of people that I have, people that know me, people that have known me, like it was pretty crazy. And I know it's just the senior club championship, but because we all know how tough golf is, mm-hmm. the the outpouring of um, congratulatory whatevers was overwhelming.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like
0: it really was because, because golfers know how tough golf is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People are drawing on their own experience uh, because they know how much it means mm-hmm. to them, and thus they know how much it means to you. And that's anyone who does anything great in this world. It's uh, it's not for the money. It's not for the recognition. It's because of just the, the sense of fulfillment. Um, this this sense of you know it's hard to put words to it because you can't really describe these things. It's just your experience. It's just like we we just love it so much. And and that's people who excel at anything. Uh, it's the love uh, and the passion they have for it uh, that that fuels it. So well, th- well, think,
0: if I may just jump in, think about this. Yeah. <clears throat> the reason we pra- I'll just take one aspect. The reason you practice putting is so that when you have a putt in the game, you hope that you will have the experience to help you make the putt. It's right. why we pra- it's why I practice. So and it- and it's been fairly recent that I've been able to realize oh that's, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do this now because I, I practiced it so I don't need to think about how to do it while I'm playing anymore Right. and you know that was the, the biggest key I took away from you and Carl Morris that day was I never think about anything over my full swing, <clears throat> pardon me why am I thinking so hard over my putting and chipping, I know how to do it that's why I practiced thousands of hours of doing it and exactly. it was like it was like something switched in my brain and went, oh yeah, I never think about how to hit a driver over it. I'm just like, okay, there's the target now. I swing. <laughs> and after talking to Carl and you that day, I was like, hmm, that's odd. You know, I, I don't know why I don't do that because oh, I tell you what, just that conversation with Carl and the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden I feel like I'm the greatest putter in the world. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's just
1: bizarre. But it's also. <laughs> It's also what it takes. Uh, So you've got, you know, you're uh, about 90, actually 58, right? Uh, So (laughs) I am about 90. (laughs) So in in experience years. uh, So basically you've got almost six decades of certain patterns of behavior. Yes. So so it sounds all sciencey, but like, so you've grooved highways of behaviors and patterns as we all have. So, so these things come up and go, why am I doing that again? You know, d- d- geez, why does this keep happening to me or why do I keep sabotaging myself? It's because of these patterns. But it takes uh, – often what it takes is pain. It takes hard things to happen that causes us to understand, oh, there it is again. It's like a friend of mine says – I love this. He says – uh, never learned anything on a good day. that's right
0: well, <laughs> and if I may just interject helped. it's why, it's how you build muscle. you have to
1: tear it first right exactly. so it's from the it's from pain and it's from seeing and that's why a lot of people don't ever make changes in their life so it's a freaking crisis point. Uh, it's really too bad. you know people lose jobs, uh, relationships, whatever because they just don't do the hard work of, of, of saying okay what's going on for me what's the stories I have what are the messages I carry on what are the belief systems what's the patterns of behavior but when you have things that go on like for you I mean again it's all in context of golf I mean it's not like you know uh, you know cancer or anything like that but you had a tough summer dude and so from that experience the tough experience you so the blessing in a bad experience is that you can then see it, it really does kind of clear the decks for what you can really see and what you were able to see and maybe even feel in an unconscious level that you were enough Hundred and if you just just went for what you wanted and and let it rip um amazing stuff can happen
0: hundred percent. You know, I, I uh, sometimes, you know, have said this to people when we're talking about how far do you hit your seven iron? And I say, well, I have my range
2: speed, yeah. which
0: is, you know, I can, you know, when we're on the range, it's like you you, you have a built-in freedom system because there's no consequence. Right. But I what I had on Sunday and what I've had more and more this summer, because I know we're, it is golf, but it's a golf show. So my tough summer was... I was frustrated because I was hitting it so good. The time we played men's night together, I had thirteen greens and shot seventy six. Like it's ridiculous. So I knew that my ball striking has been there all summer, but but I on on Sunday I had my range speed,
1: mm-hmm. and, and it
0: was weird because here I am in a tournament. Obviously, there's a sense it means something, but my body felt free to to hit it not swing harder or swing faster but just my 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 miles per hour was wild but i want to say before we wrap this up and i do appreciate the self-indulgence and i and i hope everyone will will come away from this with something i will say this tom's lesson and the lesson learned on the show about if you can just bring everything in golf down to the shot you know ben hogan said that the most important Mm -hmm. shot in golf is the next shot and it's a tough lesson to learn because you're... As you've explained so beautifully, we're all just going through life, dragging our our bag of stories with us. Right. You know, Doolin has this. Paul Doolin, our friend, talks about building myelin, building yeah. building new connections in the brain. And sometimes you have to go through some, you know, shitty times to build that.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, we often... One of the things we do as golfers is focus on things that, the negatives. Oh, I three-putted four times. But you'd also, you, what you'd, as Carl said, but don't forget, you also sank a 15-footer to save par, and you got up and down here. And, you know, I was in this mode of, well, I can't putt. And what we didn't tell you about the story of Sunday is I three-putted the first hole. Hmm. And you could have gone, there we go again. I, and you know what? I three-putted the first hole, and I was like, oh, well, sometimes people three-putt. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So, you know, and, go yeah. ahead. well, I, a couple things because we're wrapping up. I, but I, but um, I do I do
0: want to tell you about focusing on the positive and negative is this will be my final thing. So you go
1: on. You, you go first. <laughs> well, so uh, as the coach of the University of Guelph golf team, we debrief. We do a debrief after every after every round. And, you know, what will happen is just like with university golfers, just like any other golfers, uh, they'll, they'll start to go. Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me on sixteen, and so oh, I three putted fifteen. You know, if you focus on the bad crap, that's what your brain remembers when you're in the same. So we always, I always ask, what was the best shot of the day, and what did you learn today? And what I'm going to connect to is that what our swing thoughts um, listeners can can learn from today is by you talking about your experience. It's not self indulgent. What you're doing is basically. Um, it's I remember Joni Mitchell was being interviewed and and the interviewer said that she invented confessional songwriting and and he he said like how do you look that in perspective and she says well the stories are not about the the stories are about her but it's not to be self-aggrandizing it's not to attract attention to her what she's doing by by telling her story like any other artist or any storyteller or in your case broadcaster by telling your story people reflect on their own story because we look all we experience the world from our own perspective from our own experiences so it's my hope that by hearing your story about what went on people can can see their own experiences and see and how how they can take how they can reflect upon these things and how it just un- can um, kind of uncover some of the things in in their own game and their own experiences so they can, uh, you know, come closer relatively. I mean, you're like a scratch player. You play five times a week and stuff. I mean, a lot of people don't have that. Uh, that. But relative to their ability, to their time, that they can experience that same kind of joy that you had by getting the frick out of your own way.
0: Well, that is, that is the... Uh... That is a great takeaway. To get out of your own way. It's not it's not unachievable and I think most people who have listened to the show for 3 years, you know, know that I spend a lot of time not only practicing. I don't play that much, but I I think about golf a lot. In fact, if I you know, I don't know about you, but like I if I've, I've said this as a joke before, if I ever thought of anything as much as my golf swing or golf, I would have cured something or invented something. Um like I watched this documentary the other day about desalination and I thought, man, if I wasn't thinking about golf, I could really get to work on this.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I could make uh, I could make millions of dollars and make the world better and all this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I'll
0: just tell you one last thing. So when it when it comes to focusing on positive versus negative, um we often talk in golf in the nineteenth hole or after rounds about bad breaks we got. So I three-putt the first hole. We go to the second hole. It's a par five. And I think I'm a little bit, I'm trying to be all like, yeah, people three-putt. But in my body, it was a little bit of an electric whatever. I could feel it. I I probably should have taken a little more time on the tee. But I snap-hook it left. And I think I've lost the ball. So that's one. Okay, provisional for lost ball. I snap-hook that one even further left. It's never going to be found. So I go, now I'm on my third tee shot. Provisional for lost ball, five off the tee, and I neck cut it down the middle about 220. And we get up to the... It's Leithfield, too, if you've ever played it. It's a par five. Dog leg right. And we get up there, and I'm looking around, and I'm looking around, and my my adrenaline is starting to go because I'm thinking, well, wow, if I don't find this, I'm hitting six from that that part of the fairway there. And I might... I'm six. Lay up. Get on in seven. I'm the best. I'm going to make is a nine. Yeah, maybe cool. an eight, but most likely a nine. And uh, we look. We're looking for the
1: ball, and it's getting Talk about stories. eh? talking about you got the story. Oh but yeah, I'm make a nine. <laughs> well, and,
0: and but realistically, that is that is the truth. Like if I don't find this first ball, I'm never finding the second ball. It's way out in the gunch. So I say, I literally say, okay, guys. You know that part where everyone knows we've looked for pretty close to five minutes. And I say, okay, guys, uh, let's give it 30 more seconds. And I just remembered having played there. Sometimes from the tee, their perspective is it seems further left than it is. So I took one last look along the rough line, and there was my ball. Yay! And I'm going to tell you that that was the reason I won because I don't Uh. know. If I had made nine on the hole, I don't know if being five over after two <laughs> would have been. I don't know what the story would have been, but I don't know how that would have played out. Because, and, and so my point about breaks is that is a good break for a long time. Right. So the next time I hit a ball that hits the top of a bunker and goes in, I'm just going to remember, you
1: know what, golf, you gave me one, and we're, we're going to be good for a while there you go and but and, and stuff just happens you know and who knows if you did make a nine I mean Bernie Starchuk he in his club senior club C in Florida um, he made a 14 uh, he had five balls in the water on one hole 14 and, and then he went he made like something like three or four birdies uh, to finish the round I think she should shoot 78 so other than 14 the guy plays stellar golf <laughs> the next day he shoots 70 and wins his club C with a 14. Wow. I mean, talk about resiliency, right? So yep. so like I say, folks, if there's anything you can take from this, um, you accept the good breaks, you roll with the bad, uh, and just don't get stuck in your story. Just, just uh, be with who you are and allow things to happen. Mr.
0: O'Connor is available for uh, consultations, whether it's uh, golf or life or otherwise. He is uh, a uh, executive coach, mental coach, as well as the coach of the uh, Griffins, uh, the Guelph team. Uh, Humble and Fred Radio now uh, available.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, we're now we're available. Well, we're still available online, which is where most people listen to the show. But, uh, you mean podcast? You mean like podcast, right? Podcast, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're also available in Southern Ontario for free for the first time. We're no longer on SiriusXM. We're now on uh, a comedy super station out of Hamilton. But the signal goes all over the place. It's funny eight twenty, and if you want to listen to it live and stream it, it's funny eight twenty dot com. Uh, very exciting week actually. So, I club championship was mon- or Sunday, and then Tuesday we started the new venture and. Uh, And as I say, I was very, very um, appreciative and uh, was very uh, nice. All the uh, people that texted me or messaged me or on Facebook. Um, And uh, I tell you what, I know this is going to sound hokey, but I feel like like a weight was lifted because the last three years, you know, trying to be competitive and finally getting competitive enough and comfortable enough and whatever enough, well, as you just said, to be enough to win, it's kind of a rare thing. And uh, it was, sure a, you is. know, it, it got felt like a, a certain lightness, like, oh, well, this now it all makes not it all makes sense. But now it's like, oh, good. Now I I've overcome that little bit of a stumble, you know?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And you can take all. And the nice thing about, you know, golf and this is you can take that into all different parts of your life. Well, yeah. listen, I'm glad you're in my life. O'Connor. And you too, sir. It's been a this has been really fun, uh, and I appreciate it.
0: Listen, uh, TaylorMade, uh, thanks, guys, uh, they sent me a nice note. I wanted I wanted to be on their email because whenever one of their pros wins, they always send that thing out that says, you know, TaylorMade and Dustin Johnson. <laughs> 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 Humble Howard had uh, TaylorMade through his bag. Anyway, Tim O'Connor, we'll see you soon, and of course, and of course, thanks to Adidas as well.
1: inside okay.